Hello, everyone. Mike Schiappa here, Chief Procurement Officer at Beeline, and welcome to the podcast series, CPO Open Mic, where I discuss thought leadership, industry insights, current trends, and future thought-provoking topics. Each episode, a new guest from the procurement ecosystem joins me to discuss their area of expertise, passions, and a lot more. On today's episode, I'm really excited to be joined by Al Williams, Chief Procurement Officer at Cognizant. Prior to joining Cognizant, Al served as Group Chief Procurement Officer at Barclays for four years. He worked closely with the Executive Committee to implement outsourcing and offshoring strategies and supply chain resilience and build stronger commercial relationships with Barclays business partners while improving the firm's overall profitability. And Al spent over 18 years with Accenture, with the last nine years as Global Chief Procurement Officer. During that time, he led a global team across more than 65 countries, establishing a digital source-to-pay capability and high-value strategic partnerships with third parties. So Al, thank you for joining me today and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. If I didn't feel old before I joined this session, I certainly do now. (laughs) (laughs) So Al, you've had a great career in procurement, and I want to dig into some of the aspects of procurement clearly, but just tell me a little bit about how did you get into this space to begin with? Yeah, by by happenstance, I think like many of us that got into procurement profession, especially back 20, 25 years ago. Most of us didn't necessarily choose it as, or many of us didn't choose it as a profession, as a target career. I started my career in finance and financial operations type jobs in the late 80s through the 90s and ended up joining Anderson Consulting after a few other corporations I'd worked for and helping Anderson with its own internal shared service strategy before it stood up Accenture and split off from Arthur Anderson back in those days. And what I found was there was some incubation, if you want to call it that, of procurement in finance and in the financial shared services area. And I think that that was indicative of the times. I don't think it was just Accenture and Anderson that did this, but I think a lot of firms started their indirect procurement capabilities and operations sort of incubated within a finance and finance shared service center. So I was helping stand that up. And then shortly after we went public, I formally moved into a procurement role as the first U.S. procurement director for Accenture in 2001. thought I was going to do it part-time or a short time, I should say, for maybe 18 to 24 months until I figured out what was next for me from a finance perspective. But as often happens, those short-term assignments become a little longer term and 20 some years later, here I am. (laughs) Yeah, kind of similar for me as well. I started in investments, then did a little bit of finance, corporate treasury, cash management. I was at a retail firm and at the time the CPO was right outside of my door, right outside of my cube. I was in the cube farm, right? And he said, I hear you negotiating with the banks all the time. One of these days when I get an open position, I want to add you to the team and start doing some negotiations for me and get involved with procurement, some procurement activity. And 
you know, I started doing some of that and here I am today. <laughs> I think that's the way it's happened for many of us, you know, and I think it's good. I, I, look, I, I think there are various backgrounds that benefit procurement. I am partial to the finance background because I think you learn a lot about the business and finance. You certainly learn the key financial statements, the vernacular, as I call it, the language of the business is accounting usually in most places. So having that backdrop, I think was tremendously helpful in, in moving into, into a procurement role. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think along those lines, when you think about the variety of people that are in our industry and, and work within procurement, they have various backgrounds, various subject matter expertise and just the nature of our business, we, you know, we have to buy things and work on things across multiple categories, et cetera. Um, what do you like most about procurement? What do you like most about your kind of current position and maybe the last couple of positions that you've had? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things I like about it. I like the opportunities to work with different businesses. I like the opportunities to build relationships inside and outside of the firm, but I would have to say, in all honesty, there's a little bit of a power trip that comes working in procurement that the impact you can have and should have on the business is pretty profound and pretty significant. And the opportunity to contribute at that level and work across basically every part of the organization, every part of the business in one way, shape or form to learn the business in all those different sort of functions and capabilities, the front office, back office, the corporate function, go-to-market capabilities, et cetera. I mean, to be a good procurement professional, you need to learn and understand each of those different aspects at some level, maybe it's a mile wide and an inch deep, but you still need to have some perspective on those things. I really, I really enjoy that. And having that level of relevance in an organization is, I, I think it makes the profession particularly interesting and kind of cool wasn't always that way. Certainly probably the times when, when we joined, not to date you, Mike, but certainly when I joined, it wasn't necessarily uh, as exciting at times, but you could see the potential. And I think that's why many of us stuck with it. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. It's certainly an exciting profession. It certainly is extremely exciting now because we got our hands in a lot of different things. And I think we're driving a lot of value across the organization and the organizations that you've worked with as well. So Along those lines, when you think about value drivers for procurement, what are some of the things that you help drive on a daily basis? What are those key metrics? What are the things that you preach on a daily basis to your team? Like with every procurement organization, we exist to save money to some extent and to drive cost out of the organization. However, I think that we're not doing ourselves enough service as a procurement organization, nor as a company, when we look at procurement purely through that lens. One of our key measures, we think of it as value creation slash creating capacity. When I say creating capacity, it's referring to you know, how we freeing up capital in the business through our supplier contracts to if you would inject that capital back into the growth of the business or to make the business more competitive in the market through the price point it can bring to clients or to drop it to the bottom line in the form of, of margin and in some cases improved cash flow. So kind of look at all of those things from a value creation capacity perspective. I think you have to look at 
risk, and we should probably talk about risk separately, but I think you have to look at third-party risk and some of those indicators as well around the vulnerability of your supply chain. Have you assessed it? Out of what you've assessed, where do we see the weak spots and how are we doing and grading ourselves along with our supply chain on improving and fortifying against those weak spots? And then there's the operational things as well as the environmental social governance related aspects, supplier inclusion and diversity, client impact and emission management and those sort of things that also need to be a part of it. And then finally, the balance scorecard is rounded out with the people dimension. And I shouldn't say finally, because it's arguably the most important because without effective teams and your talent, you can't deliver. But that comes down to how are you doing in developing your talent? How's your succession plans look? Can you build a metric around that? How deep are you in that regard? How's your attrition, especially the unmanaged attrition? How are you doing from promoting within across your business rather than always having to hire external? So that's an indicator of developing that bench I was talking about in that talent. Those are some of the things that I've focused on in my career. No, those are great. I, I mean, you hit on some really key points around third-party risk and diversity and people value creation. We could spend a full day talking about all those things. If we go to the supplier relationship piece a little bit, I think that's an interesting one because, you know, my prior days, I would talk to various internal stakeholders and they would say, oh yeah, this supplier is a partner of ours. They're a partner. I hear this word partner all the time. And then when you go to the metrics around the supplier, the performance just wasn't there. And it's more, it's just the relationship between that line of business and that supplier. But When you think about good supplier relationships, and I know you've got a a lot of history with supplier relationships, what are some of the keys around that and the the importance of having really strong supplier relationships? Yeah, the way I look at it is relationships matter and they're extremely important. And I think that's both in our personal lives and our business and professional lives. If I, so I would kind of parlay personal relationships into the context of how you develop supplier relationships and business relationships. On a personal side, I think we all know when we keep close contact and in constant communication and build trust with former colleagues or friends or people that you may not see or talk to every day, keeping those relationships fresh are very important to the extent of when you need them, when you need to network or you need to tap into that network or just to have those trusted relationships which nourish all of us that we look for in our personal lives. I think when you think about business and supplier relationships, some of those things, again, relate to how we drive supplier business to business relationships. Don't treat it transactionally and tactically. Don't just set up a meeting with that supplier, or especially if they're a strategic one to the business. Don't set up a meeting with that supplier only when you need it. Don't call them only when you need them. Likewise, they should be doing the same to you, right? There should be regular meetings, regular sessions. There should be regular communication between the two. There should be the right level of connections and relationships within the business. Call them top to tops a lot, right? But you want to make sure those strategic suppliers and the seniors within your company are appropriately connected and informed. And all that takes work. And it, there will be a time when that work will pay off. It might be a contract renewal time. It might be some disruption 
in the business, whether it be a pandemic, a financial crisis, and other types of events or shocks that we've all experienced over the last 10, 15, 20 years. But I think the, the important thing is to have those strong, trusted relationships already forged and then lean on those rather than treating them very tra transactional. And it's easier said than done because it feels like something you need to do as a side job where in essence, that supplier relationship piece is every bit as important as the other aspects of procurement role or in anyone in business for that matter. And salespeople have been doing this for a long time and procurement professionals are probably a little late to the party in some ways, but we could take a play from their playbook, I think. For sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting because I actually I'd like to get your view on what do you think the optimal model in terms of supplier relationship and the role that procurement plays in that relationship between those suppliers? Because I've seen it in different levels where procurement is more of the, you know, they help with the structural pieces like the scorecards and the tactical stuff, but the lines of business really have that true relationship. Do you feel like that? Procurement should be more of the leading edge of the supplier relationships for just key strategic partners or kind of across the board. Talk to me a little bit about what your thoughts are around that. It's a very good question. And I think about it across different dimensions of the type of supplier relationship you're talking about, right? So if it's a supplier relationship that's exclusive to one particular business unit and it's purely a buy from type relationship, it may make sense that that business unit owns that relationship singularly. I use the term a lot internally, supplier 360, sort of the 360 degree view of our supplier or third-party relationships. And by that, I mean, we could be buying from them. We could be selling to them. They, there could be a go-to-market component. There could be a sell-through component. And there could be doing other things in the corporate community together, whether it be philanthropic or, or otherwise. So there's things that sort of govern that broader relationship. And I think there's no other organization function, if you want to call it that, within a firm that is better positioned to ensure all those aspects are met and addressed than procurement, because everyone's going to have their own dimension of that, that they're focused on. Certainly that means scorecards and QBRs and setting up the meetings, some of those administrative things, which kind of become the glue or sometimes the connective tissue to make all those things happen. But a very important aspect in my mind is making sure that those relationships at all those different intersections of the business and being that kind of node on the network, if you want to think about it that way, between the supplier's network or the third party's network and the business that you work for, procurement is best positioned, I think, to be that node. Yeah. I agree. I think along those same lines, let's dig into the third-party risk a little bit on the supplier side. So third-party risk is, a, it, you brought this up earlier, and we could, again, another topic that could be discussed for hours, but the CPOs that I talk to, it's a hot topic. It continues to be a hot topic. And honestly, the way that third-party risk management is managed is very different in all organizations across the board. So talk to me a little bit about uh, kind of the importance of a solid third-party risk management program and mitigating against financial risk, operational risk, and reputational risk is in there as well within your organization or just what you've seen over your career. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've worked in IT services businesses, financial services, banking, and now, of course, back in the IT services business at Cognizant. And I, so I've seen various levels of this. 
I think it's fair to say that five, 10, 15 years ago, depending on the industry, that a lot of procurement professionals saw risk management as a distraction to the other things that they were competing in some ways, frankly, in terms of priorities and how do they address those aspects, say, in a given negotiation or, or given contractual relationship. But certainly many felt it was a distraction. And I saw a lot of procurement organizations, and I felt this way at times, stiff arm the whole risk kind of component of it and say, well, that's got to be someone else's job, maybe in finance, or maybe there's a risk management team, uh, maybe somewhere in operations. And again, that was earlier on. What I've seen is much more now of an acceptance and an embracing of risk as one of the key responsibilities of procurement and not necessarily an afterthought. And in the direct procurement and harder supply chains, that's always been the case. Probably more services businesses and indirect procurement is probably the, the group that's probably been a little later to the party. But if I think about the events, or if you want to call them shocks that have happened over the course of the last 10 to 15 years that have, have driven that, in my mind, it all started with the financial crisis in 08, 09. And that woke us all up to financial risk. And I think many of us that were in the business at the time, regardless of your business, you were dealing with some insolvency issues and some cash flow issues within your supply chain. For the first time, we saw some businesses go out of business, right? Because of, of the financial crisis. And then if you skip ahead to the last couple of years with the pandemic, you started seeing things like resilience and assurance of supply as being a key risk. And probably in between there is the whole buildup of digital and data as a service, everything as a service and the exposure of data and the transmission of data between companies and through the supply chain that created the whole cyber and data security risk focus. And then most recently, I think a, a lot around ESG and the focus on the climate and the focus on diversity in our supply chains and societal related issues that I would govern as risk if you don't get those things right. So there's so many of those different aspects that it's now difficult to, to even, after I say that even, right, it's difficult for me, it would be very difficult for me to then turn that around and say, but I don't think procurement should embrace this, right, or see this as core to their mission. It's very clear it has to be core to the mission and it has to be woven into the relationships we talked about earlier, the commercial aspects, of course, contracts and how we manage them, but it's just an absolutely critical component of, of procurement role now. Yeah. And I'm hearing that a lot across the board. I think it's a critical component. It needs to be taken seriously and needs to be elevated throughout the professions. There's no doubt about it. And naturally, you're working with all parts of the organization, the risk organization, the audit group, everybody's very interested in that. Switching gears back to the people part of our, our discussion, I think this is one of my favorite parts of, of this, the discussions is the people and the profession in general. You're fairly new to your position now, and you've got a great group of, of folks there, and you're going to probably continue to optimize and get a, a larger organization for the work that you're trying to do. Tell me a little bit about elevating that role of procurement within your organization in, in the people aspect and how do you retain, how do you find new people? Yeah, I, I'll start with kind of the aspect you mentioned around elevating the role of procurement in the business, because I think that attracts talent, mm. right? The best procurement talent want to be very relevant in the business and want to have that seat at the table. I'm reminded of many years ago when we talked, we as procurement leaders talked about 
having a seat at the table. How do we get a seat at the table? That was not something you hear as much any longer, but certainly was a, a popular question amongst roundtables, et cetera. And I remember one person at one of the events I was at said, if you want a seat at the table, you got to earn it. And I think that a lot of us adopted that attitude that you really do have to prove that you should be there. I think most organizations have done that now. And now procurement is, if it's not the most critical function in the value chain, internal function in the value chain, it, it's certainly one of the most critical to make sure it gets right for all the things that we've already talked about here, Mike. So I think that that's a key to attract talent. But then if you turn around and say, okay, well, you want to make sure we continue to perpetuate that type of model and, and that existence in the organization and business, we have to make sure that the talent we're bringing in, that they're naturally curious. That's something I always look for when I hire, especially mid-level up folks is, is to make sure they're very curious because we talked about it earlier. You have an opportunity in procurement to understand almost every aspect, if not every aspect of the business that you work in. And if you're not intellectually curious and professionally curious, it'll be very challenging, I think, for you to tap the value and opportunity for you and your team. You want people that are consultative in nature and not dictatorial or policy driven, right? So that can sit down and say, well, let me explain to you some opportunities for how I can help you. And have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Look at the demand side and supply side of every equation when it comes to supply chain and have those customer service skills as well. Uh, we call it CRM for procurement these days, but it's about responsiveness. It's about building that trust. We were talking about earlier around relationships with suppliers, same thing internally, building those strong trusted relationships to be a trusted advisor to your business partners in the organization is key. Yeah, I think it takes time. I mean, it takes time to build those relationships and you know that, right? You've been there for a few months now. It takes time to, to do that and it takes the right people to do that. And it takes all of those things that you just talked about, being curious and being consultative and getting towards that trusted advisor status with your, with your internal customers. Right there's a road or a journey to get there, that kind of the maturity curve of the credibility piece. They know that they have to work with you, but to what capacity do they want to work with you? Do they want to pick up the phone and say, hey, Al, what do you think about this? Or somebody on your team, what do you think about this idea? And I think it goes back to some of the things that you talked about earlier around creating more capacity and value for those internal customers. They come to you because they know that you're going to enable them to do other things that's going to make them even better. So I think it's kind of like that full circle, right? Yeah, it is. And I, I used to use the term, I still do, the phrase being a preferred destination. And mm. that I think that you can fill in the blank, you know, preferred destination for your stakeholders, fill in the blank with preferred destination for uh, people and talent. Yeah. both in terms of retaining them and, and acquiring you know, new people and new talent, preferred destination for suppliers. You want your suppliers to want to work with you. Obviously, they want to sell to you, but the cooperation beyond the contract and the purchase order, right? And how do you ensure that they come to you if there is an issue or even better if there's an idea, right? An innovative idea that they believe that there's things you can do to to be a better business or to be better together, those types of things. So I think that preferred destination piece is important. 
especially on the talent side and the stakeholder side. Because if you keep that in mind, then you're trying to you're trying to make it. Yeah, I love that. I love that preferred destination. That's that's really cool. I guess the, the last topic that I wanted to bring up was around the the technology and how is the technology helping your organization get to that next level in terms of getting to be that trusted advisor. And I know you're on a journey to get to where you want to be and what your vision looks like, but I guess just thinking about how does technology or how will technology help your organization internally get to that level of where you want to be? Well, first and foremost, it's got to be a component of how we grow our organization and how we grow our, our procurement capabilities, because we can't simply throw people at problems. And if we're overly complex, it goes back to the being a preferred place for our people and our stakeholders to want to do business with. We need to make it attractive. We need to make it simple. I tend to start with, I'm not a technologist by background. We already talked about it. I'm yeah. more of a person. But when I think about technology, I always think it serves the purpose at the end of the day to try to enable the end user as much as possible, even if they don't know it through personalization or through just a better experience on a website or on a mobile app or whatever you're using to engage. And I always start there with what's the user defined requirements and what do we need to help them? And the user in that context, by the way, could be our people our procurement talent or employees. It could also be our suppliers, right? If you're trying to get them to engage. So you have to look at it multidimensional as well, like everything else. But if you start there, the, what's very interesting about technology now to when I started in business 30 years ago, technology now can almost do anything you could think of it. You know, okay, I want to enable the user with this, or I want them to see that, or I already know that Mike is a part of this organization and has bought this stuff before, right? Or has engaged with these suppliers before. I know the part of the country he works in, all these things. And the opportunity to bring that forward to make my experience or the end user's experience much more sophisticated, but even simpler and remove the friction of having to enter all that information. That just even 10 years ago, the thought of, of doing that would be challenging to the mind. So we have a lot of these capabilities today but we almost have a different problem. We almost have too many of them, right? And too many options. Mm -hmm. How do you invest that precious dollar, pound, rupee? You know, how do you invest that capital in the right digital capabilities and technologies that enable those experiences? So to me, it all comes back to that and the use of data. I think an important component of the digital technology revolution, if you would, or, or transformation for procurement is we're a very data-rich organization. We always have been, right? Even before big data was a buzzword, we were using data in a very sophisticated way to analyze our supply chains, to analyze cost savings opportunities, to analyze for controls, financial controls, and these sort of things. So if you now take that to the next level, if we can take that data and do even more with it to personalize the experience, to drive the type of behaviors that we want to drive, to provide the insights about what the business is doing or what we may need to do to support that business, take that data, keep that sort of own that data, right? Because that's core to the business, but enable it through a platform to get into these other technologies and applications that maybe could be interchangeable, right? Or even have single purpose. There used to be a day when you thought you had to buy 
a sophisticated end-to-end -end system to do everything for you as a company. That's not the case any longer, as we all know. Those aspects are, are very important, but I'll just come back to the point of keeping the user in mind, the experience of the user in mind, whether it be your internal customer, client, employee, or supplier. Yeah, I love that view. I talk about that quite a bit, looking at it through the lens of your customer, whoever that customer is, because you, you have a much different view of it. You talked about it before, procurement professionals in, in general, not pushing out the policies, not pushing out the mandates or what have you, listening to the customer and trying to get their observations and their perspective on things. And I think from a technology perspective, it's so critical because without that user adoption, right? Your level of adoption is going to be low and making it easy for them to work with you is really important or work within the confines of that technology. So yeah, it's critically important. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So looking out in the future a little bit, Al, what are some things that maybe potentially keep you up at night? I mean, I, I've been sleeping a lot better being at Beeline for the last seven months, but anything keeping you up at night or things that you think in the future or obstacles that you're thinking might, might be jumping up at you or you're preparing for over the next uh, several months or a year? Yeah. Having one in college and two teenagers at home, that's what's keeping me up at night. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, wondering where they are and making sure they call in and check in. But from a professional perspective, I think there's not a lot I necessarily worry about from a micro level within the organization. I think Cognizant has a tremendous amount of upside. I think it's definitely a growing firm and you know, no real concerns there. From a procurement perspective, we've got work to do to pivot ourselves into that best-in-class category, but we're on that path and we have the plan to get there. It's always the things that you can't control that I worry the most about. And if I look outside, I see more of the macro effects. One of the things Mikey and I have talked about before are the inflationary factors that are going to come to bear and supply chain disruption that we're all feeling right now. And we're feeling inflation as well. I've seen some economists report that this could be like generational level type challenges is certainly in, in specific categories in the terms hyperinflation and things like this on the horizon. So whether those things come to fruition or not, I think it's procurement's job to hope for the best and plan for the worst always when it comes to these sort of things. So it's about how do we get in front of it? right? And think two or three steps ahead, especially when it comes to things like supplier insure, assurance. So whether that's labor, whether that's technology, or whether that's something you're buying as a service, all of these aspects are going to have disruption and shortages and inflation and, and costs. And we're seeing that now. Those are probably the things that I don't necessarily lay awake worrying about, but I think about every day. Yeah, I'm hoping that the rest of our procurement organization and, and frankly, profession also are thinking about those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think they are. They are very much so. And it's the old cliche, do the best you can with what you can control, right? The other stuff you, you can't really deal with, but getting ahead of it. And I think all the things that you discussed or we discussed today about being consultative and building capacity for our customers and thinking ahead and trying to get ahead really puts us in a good position to uh, continue to grow this profession and uh, kind of optimize everything that we're doing. Really good way to close out what we've been talking about and round it all out. So Al, I really appreciate the time today. It was uh, very insightful. Always a pleasure talking with you. And I know you'll continue to do wonderful things in the industry and really appreciate your time. 
Well, Mike, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good luck with the podcast. I hope you have 40 more and keep up the good work in evangelizing the profession because we need it. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Al. So this concludes the episode today. Be sure to connect and follow me on LinkedIn and follow at Beeline VMS on Twitter to stay informed on upcoming episodes. I'd like to thank everyone for listening today. Be safe out there and have a great day. 